When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Only interviews, Batman. Hi, this is Burt Ward, Robin from the TV series Batman. You're listening to TV Confidential. Wowie zowie, it's fantastic. And Robertson with a reminder that Star Trek historian and Gene Roddenberry biographer Mark Cushman will join us later on in the hour. We hope you stay tuned for that. In the meantime, Greg Airbar is with us for another look at recently released DVD, and streaming titles that we think you'll find of interest. You can enjoy Greg's animation spin column twice a month at cartoonresearch.com. Greg, what do you have for us this week? A series that I never saw growing up, and it happened smack dab in the middle of the 60s, lasted one season, and it's called Hank. Hank starring Dick Coleman, better known to fans of Batman as Little Louie Groovy. Little Louie Groovy, which could have been a disguise he used in this series. He didn't, but it could have very well have been a disguise he used in order to drop in to one of the many college classes that he liked to enter because his whole thing was he wanted to get his education, but he didn't have a high school diploma. And so what he did was basically sneak into classes in disguise for students who were absent for one reason or another. So that was the premise. An unusual way of auditing classes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and whilst, yeah. It was a pretty, it was probably the highest concept that you could have for a 60s sitcom because they had to explain it in detail in every episode, not only what he was doing, why he was doing it, whether it was a good thing that he was doing it, and everything, and who knew and who didn't know. Yeah, it it, it took up quite a bit of each show. <laughs> I was I was gonna say I could see the conflict inherent in that premise. Was there like a Doctor Bellows uh, principal who was out to you know look for Hank and 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 who Hank had to avoid every week? Oh, you know it. It was the dean. <laughs> okay, all right, there you go. It was the dean. Oh, that makes sense. It'd be the dean. Yes, what wackiness? Because the dean's daughter was Hank's girlfriend. But of course. <laughs> and she was constantly, her job on the show was, oh no, Hank, don't tell me you're going to be doing that again. <laughs> My father's going to find out. And then you had, as to Major Healy, you had a kind of and also helped him with his wacky schemes to get out of his scrapes and get access to information so he could find out what to audit and things like that. Now, his other thing, and he did this for several altruistic reasons. One is the reason he didn't get his high is because he had a little sister who is just one of the most adorable little girls in television, played by the appropriately named Katie Sweet. And she's, she's good. I mean, and she, did, she got out of acting uh, and just became, as they say, a civilian. But she's good, and her name's Tina, and she's little, and he can't leave her alone to go to all these night classes. And so, and he also is terrified that she'll be put into foster care. He doesn't want to be separated from her. And so he wants to support her. 
So what he does is he has this old ambulance that he converted into a food truck. And the wacky 60s sitcom fun is that the food truck is outfitted with all these gadgets and signs, like a Rube Goldberg kind of thing, so that he can kind of leave it self-service and it can dispense things and, and things turn around and it, it's all equipped for almost anything anybody needs. He seems to have absolutely everything all the students need to eat. He has school supplies. He has clothes. And here's some, there's even some politically incorrect things. He can set up dates for other students. He had one where there was kind of like an auction for who won to go with the most desirable student. He pretty much is the, the entrepreneur's entrepreneur. Well, it was but 1960. His, of, it, it was 1965, so times were a little bit different. But no, it's a very clever premise when you think about it, because for someone to drop in on all these classes, you have to make them likable. You have to make them likable and resourceful. He's likable. He's resourceful. And he's virtually free of faults, which I think if the series was given time, he might have had to develop a few um, because I think that's he's almost superhuman. It's like it's like Bewitched or I Dream a Genie, where uh, instead of having magic powers, his power is he's really smart. It's kind of Bilko in, in that way. He's a con artist, but he has a heart of gold and he helps others. Yeah. And he's doing everything for benevolent means. He, he donates small amounts that he can afford back to the student fund because he knows that, you know, it isn't really right to be doing this. He also only fills in for students that are absent. He's not taking money away from a possible student. The overriding theme of the show, and it's too bad that if this alone would have, would have made it last longer, would have been nice, is that he wants to learn. Yeah. And, and uh, over and over again, he's told degree because what you're doing it won't result in a degree you're getting other people's classes and you're getting them haphazardly he said i don't want the degree you know in other words it's about the journey they didn't yeah. use that phrase in those days but it was about he loved seeing the lectures he loved that was his entertainment that was his candy that was learning was what it was all about that was what was important and that is a completely crazy thing for television to be telling people that Learning is its own reward, not getting, because everything is generally about the reward, the award, the end justifying the means. Here, the means justifies the means. His biggest fear is that he loses his, his ability to just be able to pay for just the meager amounts of money to keep his, his but it isn't about, it's just about surviving in the future because in order to survive in the future, you have to be smart you have to have knowledge. Yeah. It isn't that you have to have a piece of paper that says you have a degree. It's a very revolutionary and wild premise to say that. I mean, you never hear that being said. Yeah, it, um, it sounds like didn't it sounds like it's, that it sounds like it's premise. almost um, a um, inverse of Mr. Novak, but from the student's point of view, and obviously set in a collegiate level. But it was a sitcom that had something to say underneath the laughs. Yeah, it kind of did. And, you know, it's, it's very broad. Dick Coleman was from the, literally, from the Lucille Ball School. He was one of the Desilu players, mm -hmm. along with Carol Cook and Robert Osborne. Quite a few people were from her group, and Dick Coleman was. And you can see her training in everything he does because the show has a bit of farce to it because it's completely 
unbelievable. You have to suspend disbelief yeah. to buy that he puts on a disguise and nobody knows. <laughs> um, you also have to allow for it's it's that's the Lucy thing. Yeah. You know, Ricky doesn't know that that's Lucy. You know, trying to get into the show. You also have to buy the idea that. This is 1965, and you have to accept the cultural appropriation that went on all the time on F Troop, which was on at the same time, and in on sketches. But that's beside the point. The fact is, he'd still be obvious, but this is farce. This is this is Lucy training, and that's that's the way his performances. He um, Dick Coleman was actually very very much a versatile stage performer, and he replaced Tommy Steele on Broadway. And the big hit, Half a Sixpence. And if you've ever seen Tommy Steele, he's also a very broad musical style performer. So if there was an American equivalent, that would be what Dick Coleman was. And he does sing on one episode, and he has a really, really good voice that wouldn't come from the character of Hank. So you also have to accept the fact that he's not playing the character that Dick Coleman is as a talented person. He's playing this just guy. Was this a Desi Lu production? No, it was a Warner Brothers oh, production okay. shot on the lot. Oh, okay. It was very Warner y. Quite delightful in its in its mid sixties brightness. It has that perk, that shimmer of mid sixties television and movies, in that it has the, the lighting and the style of those shows. Plus it has a score by Vic Mizzy. Oh, and from the one, from, the, from the Adams family. Yeah, and occasionally he does slip into a little bit of finger snapping. So there is, and a little bit of fuzz guitar. So there are hints of Green Acres and Adam's family in there. But it, it has its own style of just bright, upbeat, typical. It sounds like almost a prototypically typical television sitcom of the 60s. The strange thing about watching Hank is that it's almost like you're in this parallel universe watching a show that was a hit in this other universe because it could have been. And the theme song is really good and catchy. And if, and I should have memorized it by now, you know, it's the kind of song that everybody would know if this, if the show was a show, everybody knew. But you know, for whatever reason, Warner brothers attempted to do several 30 minute sitcoms during that era, that era being the first decade of Warner Brothers television, like 53 through 65, 66, that first 10 or 12 years. And for whatever reason, they had more success with hour-long shows than they did with 30-minute yeah. shows. They did a show uh, with Andrew Duggan and Peggy McKay called Room for One More, which aired, I think about a year, maybe two years before Hank. And they had a number of other uh, pilots. Ernie Kovacs did a pilot, one of the last things he did before his tragic accident. He did a 30-minute pilot for Warner Brothers yes. Television called Medicine Man, uh, which I think Buster Keaton was also in Medicine Man. But for whatever reason, it just didn't gel. And Warner Brothers of that era, they were much better doing hour-long shows than they did. And it's not that their sitcoms were bad. They just, they were not as successful as the hour-long shows at the time. Greg Airbar is with us for our DVD report. This week, Greg and I are talking about the complete series release of Hank. Hank, the short-lived series starring Dick Coleman as a 
college-age entrepreneur of limited means who cleverly audits various classes simply because he wants to learn. Hank, the complete series available on DVD through Warner Brothers Archive. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This show, to me, coming away from it, I got, I got two impressions. One is that you have to wonder if this was a movie script originally. Because if you went earlier in like 1961, 62, and you cast this with someone like a Ken Berry or um, maybe Jim Hutton or something, and then you populated the, the faculty with, with big names, you would have had a very funny uh, comedy that you could have ended with some kind of wacky car chase or some kind of thing. That, that Because the premise is so convoluted and, and and crazy that it is it is a lot to explain and to gather in every episode and you almost want to say okay this alone would have been the premise or this alone would have been the premise because there's a lot of things in here that work and it's really worth watching so i i think this probably was a was a pitch as a movie originally and then warner said well we need more sitcoms to pitch write a pilot and sell it that way and that may have been possible because this does feel like a movie to me yeah well and Second plus, is, what we know about warners is that whatever they did for television back then was always based on a property they already owned so it would i wouldn't be yeah, surprised if yeah. this yeah, started that way yeah and the second thing is that in this age of short run binge worthy series that you stream this is exactly the kind of thing that would exist if the 60s had streaming because this is a series that has 26 episodes and so this would be a two-season streamed episode on a, like, HBO Go. Because it is uh, 13 and 13, and it's got this, you know, wacky premise, and you get to know these characters, and you watch it, and you watch all 13, and then you watch the second 13, and then it just don't make anymore because they just don't make anymore. So if you look at Hank from the standpoint of if it was a streaming show, that's exactly what it would be. Instead of a series that only lasted a year, it actually works out just fine. And here's why. This is one of the few series that had an ending because NBC got the word that it was being canceled. So they had the grace to tell them and give them warning so they could write a final episode. And so they do find out first half of the episode is him getting into a bind that's almost too impossible to get out of. And then he is unmasked. It is all explained. And there is a, a resolution and basically the end. And so you do kind of get the feeling of this is a complete series. This is a complete set rather than a, oh, I feel kind of like I've wasted my time because I never really saw what happened. I wish it didn't go off, or I wish it didn't waste my time. Hank, the complete series starring Dick Coleman, available on DVD through our friends at the Warner Brothers Archive. If I remember correctly, Dick Coleman uh, met a tragic premature end not long after Hank ended production. 
Yeah, in real life, he was very entrepreneurial, and he had amassed a huge art collection. He started his own music company, and then he started being quite a uh, success at, at commerce and things like that. And he had a lot, I guess someone had found out he had stuff in his apartment, and he was robbed and um, was shot. And he was, he was a young person. That is, that is a shame. That is a shame. But at least he lives on through Hank, the Complete Series DVD collection. It's a very sunny, and it's that kind of uh, a program where it's very upbeat and bright, and every cloud is a silver lining. And when there is, a, when, when there is some kind of a problem, he finds a convoluted, crazy way. I have an idea. I have a scheme. If that's the kind of 60s, you know, zaniness you like, this is probably one of those, it fell out of the sky. Where has this show been? What the heck is this? What do you got to lose when you, when a show just like appeared out of nowhere? It's like someone invented a 1965 show. How nice. Hank, the complete series starring Dick Coleman, available on DVD through our friends at Warner Brothers Archive. You can read Greg Airbar twice a month at Cartoon Research. Dot com. Star Trek historian and Gene Roddenberry biographer Mark Cushman will join us in our next segment. We hope you stay tuned for that. In the meantime, and speaking of Gene Roddenberry, more than 100 actors from the various Star Trek series will join fans from all over the world for this year's official Star Trek convention at the Rio Suites Hotel in Las Vegas beginning Wednesday, August 11th through Sunday, August 15th. Scheduled festivities over the five-day event will include a 100th birthday tribute for Gene Roddenberry as well as a 90th birthday tribute to Leonard Nimoy, a 90th birthday celebration for William Shatner, and a whole lot more. This year's Star Trek convention, the 55-year mission tour, runs Wednesday, August 11th through Sunday, August 15th at the Rio Suites Hotel in Las Vegas. For tickets and more information, creationent.com, creationent.com. And as long as we're in a Star Trek frame of mind, a special 35th anniversary remastered print of Star Trek IV, the Voyage Home will be screened in select theaters nationwide for two nights only, Thursday, August 19th, and Sunday, August 22nd. Both screenings will also include the featurette three-picture saga, which tells you the backstory of Star Trek II, Star Trek III, and Star Trek IV. See FathomEvents.com, FathomEvents.com, to find out if the 35th anniversary screening of Star Trek IV will be playing at a theater near you. In the meantime, we'll continue our conversation about... The backstory of the very first Star Trek movie, Star Trek The Motion Picture, when we come back on TV Confidential. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty Group, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at 
TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.